We're judging the world and saying what sucks. We're reviews versus the world. <laughs> Kid with no arms, no legs gets a present for Christmas, and the mom, mom asks him, <laughs> What do you think it is, Timmy? He goes, It better not be another friggin' hat. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews versus the really inappropriate jokes. Yeah. No, we're gonna trim all of that. Oh, it'll be a bonus episode later of of Hey, remember how we're going to hell? This is why. That can be a whole special episode. Oh my gosh. It, it will be reviews versus after hours. And it'll be like five hours long. Can I speak in a really seductive voice the whole time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I would prefer a female after hours over Brady's after hours. <laughs> good point, good be, point. I don't want to be cuddled. Anyway, so this is uh, Reviews versus Age of Ultron. We're going to be talking about the movie. We'll start with what everyone's been into in the last... Oh, how long has it been since the last time? A week? Yeah. <laughs> a week, a week and two days. Okay, okay, okay. a week and a half. Stuff has happened. Yeah, there might have been stuff. It might be two weeks by the time this actually gets posted, so you know, you know. Steven, let's, let's hear it. I know that you're bursting to tell us <laughs> something very exciting. Okay, so I totally forgot that one... This amazing comic was coming out this month that I just had to... Tell somebody about. So, um, if you've never read Usagi Yojimbo, it is one of the greatest comics that has ever been made. This guy, Stan Sakai, has been putting out this comic for like 30 years. Just, he draws it all, he inks it all, he letters it all, he writes it all. It's the story of a samurai in the, uh, samurai age of Japan, walking around and, uh, doing samurai things. He does happen to be a bunny. Oh, okay. Um, so this that's is, completely normal. If you've yeah. seen Ninja Turtles, the character has appeared on Ninja Turtles. Uh, Miyamoto Yusagi has appeared on Ninja Turtles a couple of times. In, like, almost every iteration of the Ninja Turtles cartoon, he's appeared. This wait, 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 wait. I, I had a samurai You might have had the samurai figure. figure. Yes. It's, it's him. It's him. Wow. He has his own comic. What was the name of the duck? I had the duck. Ace Duck. Ace Duck. Ace Duck. <laughs> so anyway... Yeah. The book that came out is called Yusaki Yojimbo Senso, which I think is the Japanese word for war. I don't know that for certain. Anyway, this is a non-canonical conclusion to the series where all of the characters that have been having these conflicts for 30 years meet on a battlefield to have a final confrontation. And then, in this series, which I need to tell you that up until this point has been a very well-researched reflection of what Japanese life was like during the Age of the Samurais, despite the fact that all the characters are funny animals, it's actually pretty realistic. Wow. In the middle of this battle, the Martians invade. Of course they do. And it's basically a prequel to War of the Worlds. Okay. <laughs> and it's amazing. What? It is one of... Stan Sakai is one of my favorite artists. It looks fantastic. It's, it's drawn in this black and white style with this immaculate cross-hatching. It's, it's brilliant. It's very funny. Very, very tragic. Um, because it's non-canonical, he feels like he can get away. Sakai feels like he can get away with a lot of uh, a lot of nonsense that he wouldn't actually pull in the main series. So, yeah, a lot of heartbreak happens. It's it's this really exciting book. Uh, it's probably not worth it if you haven't read at least some of the thirty years of Yusaku Yojimbo that precedes it. But if you haven't, then you should because it's amazing. It's really good stuff. Really hits awesome. that that bunny samurai. Martian uh, that, that fix that you need. So yeah, in a way that nothing else has to date. 
I don't know. I heard Bunny and Samurai, and I was like, all right. I'm intrigued against my will, so... <laughs> I have roughly 28 volumes up there. <laughs> you are, wow. Yeah. They're, that, it's, it's one of the reviews that I have in my back pocket. I, I'm planning on doing a full review of this comic at some point. Excellent. Awesome. Brady? Alright, well, I've been playing video games. I know that's surprising to everybody here. What? what? But I have been playing some video games, and specifically Xenoblade Chronicles uh-huh. on the 3DS, which... It was originally for the Wii, and I played it, I loved it, I didn't get very far because it takes a lot of time to get far in it, it's sort of very huge open world, um, but just to give a little bit of background of kind of what this game is, basically there are these two gigantic world-sized mechs fighting on this world, mm-hmm. and they just get frozen in time, and then people start living on them. And so, like, everywhere that you go, like, it will say, you are on Bionis' elbow, as you're looking out over this huge field, and, like, you see, you see parts of the mechs, and, like, you see the other mech in the distance as, like, a giant moon type thing, and so, anyway, that, that, that's, that's all pretty cool, but it's an RPG, and it's one of the best games from last generation. And so the 3DS version definitely has its problems. It doesn't look as good as the Wii version. Anywhere close to it, it has a lot of, like, wait, PS1 wait, level... Wait, the Wii textures. actually outstrips something with graphics? I know! I was just going to say. <laughs> Never happens. But it is... It's an amazing game, man. I'm absolutely loving it. Um, another game that I've been playing is Borderlands, the Handsome Collection. Uh-huh. Which is a lot of fun. And it's up to four people at once on one TV, which is kind of my wheelhouse. That's one of the reasons I play games is to, you know, sit around with a group of people having fun with the game. And John actually played it with me. I was going to say, is that the game that I played that I couldn't find any ammo? And <laughs> I got shot a lot. And, like, everyone knew the map but me, so I'm, like, stuck somewhere in, like, a shed or something. You guys are already, like... The next fort down the... This was yeah. exactly my experience yeah. with Goldeneye. Oh, Goldeneye. I was so bad at that game. I love Goldeneye. <sighs> How can you be bad at Goldeneye? Pretty easily, as it turns out. Well, like, I understand, like, you play the kid that's good in your class who just, like, shoots you every time you appear, but, like, I don't know. I... You play it on easy. That's what I did. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're in multiplayer. <sighs> I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> And then one of the things I try to do is any time that we put out a review, I want to make sure that I I give that, whatever we review, a fair shake myself. And so I've been watching Adventure Time. Ah! And they they actually just put Adventure Time onto Hulu with five seasons, where, whereas before it was only two seasons on Netflix. And I've still only seen the first four. I haven't seen season five yet. So season five... And I'm has, the one who did the review. ...has this episode that's probably my favorite episode. Now, one of the things that, I, that I'm actually loving about Adventure Time is I love how canonical it really is. Like, you wouldn't expect, you know, this kid's show to actually have consequences to what happens in these episodes, so but it's... It's all it about the consequences. Exactly. And, you know, there's these... Deep emotional moments and impacts and oh, it's so great and I love it. But my favorite episode so far has absolutely nothing to do with any other episode <laughs> at all. And it's it's an episode called The Box Prince, where what it is is 
Fade wakes up one morning, looks outside, and he sees this cardboard box with a face drawn on it. So he decides to go investigate, and turns out that there's a cat underneath it. And then the cat leads him to this whole society of cats with cardboard boxes with faces drawn on them. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're just underneath the cardboard boxes walking around, so you just see cardboard boxes. But the hilarious thing about it is it's like they have this whole intricate society... Like, what, like, the, the story goes that the cat is actually, the cat that Finn first meets is actually a prince for this society, but somebody else has usurped his position, and so he's trying to help him get it back. But the great thing is, anytime that one of the cats is out of their cardboard box, they're just a regular cat. So they're just meowing and, you know, like, cuddling up to him. But, you know, they're under the cover box and all of a sudden they're, like, menacing and trying to joust each I, other. I, I, I have a vague recollection that I actually think I might have caught this episode on Cartoon Network. The cats don't actually talk, do they? They don't. They just, they, they just meow. They're just regular cats with boxes on top of them. Somehow they know... Somehow it's communicated that it's a whole society of... Well, the main character's there, so he's, like, narrating this whole thing. Oh, my God. Also, I'm pretty sure there is a castle of some kind. Th there is. So, they have a cardboard yeah. boxes as well. Yeah. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> I will watch Adventure Time, because every time that someone describes it or I flip by, it's like a dream that someone had, and they're trying to tell me all about it, and it's just like... I, 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 what? I don't... <laughs> and uh, it does have to be seen to be believed. I, I guess so. Another thing that I love about it is the faces on the cardboard boxes will suddenly change when the camera cuts away. <laughs> and so, which, you know, of course it doesn't explain that at all, because it's like just drawn on with marker. But, oh, it, it made me laugh so hard. And I know that it's just this gimmick for this one episode, but... It really struck a chord with me for some reason. It's <laughs> exactly my type of humor. I'm still on the mech game and wondering what the social class structure is, depending on what part of the anatomy you live on. You know, like, I'm on right. the mech's butt, so I'm not as raw <laughs> as the people who are living on the shoulder, or the head, or the gun, right. or the foot, even. Emily, please save us. What You've been into something that makes sense, I'm sure, right? Well, the thing about the things I've been into is the oh. fact that the the problem is that I haven't had time to just sit and enjoy things because I've been so busy doing other things. Like, the last podcast you heard that I was going to the gym and dieting and stuff like that, which is, like, normal people stuff. And I've been watching more Gilmore Girls, which isn't necessarily normal people stuff, Nobody's but it's that. the same stuff that I've been doing it's, for it's the past month. It's kind of normal people stuff. It is normal people stuff. My wife has been watching it nonstop for weeks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's in my home. I... Played Guitar Hero 3 with my fiancé today. Was it today? It was today. Emily's fiancé is in the back. He's hiding he, in the oh, back because he drove and he's very sweet. And <laughs> I bought The Holiday t yesterday <laughs> at uh, Barnes & Noble because obviously that's where you go to get the best movies, a bookstore. And uh, I saw <laughs> the Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. That's what I've been into. Woo! Yay! I don't think you have a place in this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers, what is that? Yeah, Gilmore Girls, sure. Holiday, alright, alright. But Avengers... Mm. <laughs> so what, when are we going to be doing our, our holiday, you know, podcast? Probably in December. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. All right, then I get to talk about Eli, Eli Roth and 
And um, I actually know a lot about that movie because it gets played a lot at my home. <laughs> it's so good. You're happily married. You're happily married. Oh, You're happily married. I love my wife. I just don't. Well, I don't think I have to love all of the things that are loved by my wife. But the holiday's so good. I want. <laughs> it is tolerable. I will give you tolerable. Some parts are just fine. Some parts are great. The scene with Dustin Hoffman happened because he happened to be driving. Well, his cameo happened because he happened to be driving by and was like, "Hey, what's going on in that store?" That's and funny. like, the director, you know. See, I read the IMDb page because I'm sitting there like, "Why am I watching this movie instead of a movie that I picked?" <laughs> so I'd rather read the quotes from the movie on the IMDb page than listen to them spoken by actors. Sometimes context makes things worse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you don't love, you know, Jack Black's charm in that movie. Yes, I love Jack Black's charm. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I have a heart. <laughs> I do know that, uh, that all the roles were picked for those actors specifically. I don't want to talk about. We're not talking about the holiday. <laughs> it is great that you bought it. Now you really? own it, and you can enjoy it anytime you'd like. Yes, I can. Except for right now, apparently. <laughs> I can just turn it on. We can talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> so you guys yeah. need analysis, anybody? <laughs> oh, Paul Caitlin's it. Oh. You live in you live in a beautiful place, Daniel. Right. <laughs> oh, no, no, here's the okay. The problem. Is, <laughs> it's Emily. It's jealousy. Yeah. If Jude Law is on the screen, then I'm not in the room. And I it's just my wife and Jude Law. I think that's a thing for for a lot of females out there, and, <laughs> and I can't argue with them. I have no arguments against the Jude Law. Persuasion. Because <laughs> dang, if he is not handsome and charming. Yeah, he's probably one of the most handsome and charming people there is. And the accent on top of all that. Oh, yeah. Hey, John, go to a happy place. What have you been into for the last two weeks? <laughs> Avengers. Yay! Uh, so I was not here in the last podcast because I was uh, celebrating my anniversary. <clears throat> and also that week, it was a... it was a the, the planets aligned, and I had taken... Two days off work for the day before the Avengers and the Avengers, and used my paid time off wisely because I'm a grown up. <laughs> and my wife and I wanted to take some time off to um, spend together for our anniversary. So it ended up that I had a whole week off just because of this, and, and it was lovely. And I had been doing, really trying to stay up and do um, a daily drawing on Instagram leading up to the Avengers, the Avengers April, and try to do. Um, parodies of famous movie posters with Avengers thrown into them. So that was my, my project that whole time, and it was something that kept me busy, and the whole time kept looking forward to the Avengers and avoiding all the trailers and getting really excited for it. And so, Oh, my gosh. It was a good week. We have to share Nate's story since Nate is not here. Please go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Nate, uh, who is not here tonight, went to the midnight release for the Avengers. Before we get into this story a little bit further, we have to warn you, there will be spoilers in this podcast. Oh, yes. This is a spoiler cast, so... Yes, you know, yeah. If you have not seen The Avengers Age of Ultron, turn it off now. Like, also, so, so far away. Also, also, this story might make you mad. So, <laughs> Nate goes to the, the midnight, midnight screening. On his way out, there's another screening that's starting, and there is a man and his wife, or a girlfriend, that are heading in. And the man is oh, no. yelling no. at his girlfriend. Ooh, this story's so good. I because, because she nearly spoiled the trailer to Avengers Age of Ultron. And the man was trying to go in having not seen any of it. And so Nate calls This was the man. not me. 
No. <laughs> Nate calls the man over to his car, and in seven seconds, spoils the entire third act of the movie, and then drives away. Oh, <laughs> Nate's the devil. The man kind of deserved it, because he was yelling at his girlfriend and calling her all sorts of nasty names. Well, he shouldn't be doing that, but... Oh, uh, I, I, I think... Uh, like emotional abuse is worse than having a movie spoiled. Well, if you're going way crying, you're right. But apart from looking at just what Nate did is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the guy deserved it, but I think there could have been a middle ground of like like, hit, like stalking him, him in the face, well, hitting him with the car door, and then oh, driving. okay, <laughs> that, that's a good idea. Oh. Physical violence. Hey, we'll, apparently, we'll get into our Daredevil review. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's actually how I spent my day, was, was listening to Age of Ultron and Daredevil podcasts. It was enjoyable. Nice. So, well, um, let's. I wanted to go around and talk about how we all came to the Avengers, because I think everyone's path to the movies, may, maybe through comics, maybe through television, maybe through... <laughs> I want. I wanted to like Agents of Shield. I did, but I've, I've fallen off, and I've I've not kept the faith. And here we are. But I, I just thought we'd, we'd go on. Let's start with Emily. We'll just go backwards. How did you arrive? So you get you saw the Age of Ultron. We did movie. Um, what? Why did you get there? Were you interested from previous films or comics? Or, well, or I've or always liked superhero movies. I, I'm not a really big comic book person. I mean, I'm surrounded by people who are into comic books, so I understand what's happening in the like comic books. Like in this room. <laughs> but, um, I, I've watched a lot of superhero movies. Like, I liked Iron Man, which really got me into superhero movies more than anything. Probably got a lot of women into superhero well, movies. Well, Daddy Jr., hello! No one is questioning that. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. He's got these eyes and this jaw. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, Delicious. Hi, fiance. Kind of evaporated there for a second. <laughs> um, so really, it's just been through the movies. I've watched all of the movies leading up to Age of Ultron. I've kept it so that I understand what's going on. I'm not skipping them out. And I mean, I've liked most of them all, mm -hmm. mostly. None of the Hulk movies are any good. But Mark Ruffalo is really good. Yeah, so is. that's how I got there. Very short. Very cool. Awesome. Sherlock Holmes is like a perfect storm because it's Robert Downey Jr. and Drew Law. Right? And it's just <laughs> no win. It's also a bad movie, though. What? You didn't like it? Oh, I didn't love them. We'll have that conversation later. Stephen will be touched later. <laughs> it, it, they're definitely very Guy Ritchie. Yeah. But I, I, I like Guy Ritchie's ridiculously British style. But that's just me. Brady, how did you arrive at Avengers? Ah. <sighs> It all goes back to the year 1993. Oh, dear. Where I had collected enough change around the house to walk down to Reams oh. and rent Captain America and the Avengers for the Super Nintendo. I remember oh. that game! I thought you were going to say You probably played that game with me. Not I'm with you. Sure. I actually played it at the arcade. I don't think ah. I ever played it with you, though. Yeah, and so it's... You know, looking back, it's actually a very, very crappy game, but I was excited for it because, you know, I had heard of these superheroes, but I didn't really know anything about them. And basically, it allows you to be Captain America, Iron Man, Vision, or Hawkeye. And, like, you could call in help from Scarlet's Wit. As soon as Hawkeye gets named, everybody starts giggling. Who'd <laughs> <laughs> be Hawkeye? I, uh, now I would. Oh, yeah. At the time. Hmm. 
Well, actually, at the time, I was I was kind of like I was kind of digging Hawkeye. I, I liked him. Was you know, I thought that the whole projectile with actually Cap can throw the shield. Yeah, Cap can throw the shield. Shoot, and so can Iron Man. So. But I, I just like bows and arrows because you know that was a cool thing when you're a kid. He's like Robin Hood, but purple. Yeah. And who doesn't like purple, everybody? <laughs> and he has an H in his forehead, but he's not from an overrated British sitcom. Wow, that was that was Red Dwarf. That that Dutch wow. Yeah. So you've seen all the other movies, of course. Yes, and, and of course I've seen all the other movies. Loved them. I love Joss Whedon. Pretty much anything that he touches turns to gold, in my opinion. So, Emily, your favorite Avenger, would it be safe to say it's Iron Man, or do you have another favorite? Oh, that's really a complicated question. I have a hard time picking favorites, just in general. We could um, rephrase it. Who would you want to be on a desert island with? None of them. Captain America probably would be the most tolerable, because he's a real gentleman, and he's got this face that's just nice to look at. Well, that's good, because he'd be stuck there because he can't fly. I'd pick Thor. <laughs> Brady? But if we're talking about who's better to look at... <laughs> oh, who's better to look at? Okay. I, I understand there were cuts made to the film, but but the whole scene with Thor, like, going to get answers to his dream or whatever, like... We'll get into it. Part of that was... We'll get into it. How can we get Thor's shirt off? <laughs> Every <laughs> Thor movie, he needs to take his shirt off. That yeah. has to be there. But now, he wasn't nearly not... as, like, ripped as Captain America was. Mm. If you really think about it, yeah. you know, I, physically... I, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> you should think harder now. I observed. I appreciated. <laughs> eh, good job. Okay, so, so Ben so or Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy? There's oh, question. that's... <laughs> that's that's a difficult question because they're appealing in different ways. Why are you still laughing at the Thor crack? That was hilarious. <laughs> I'm better now. Uh, Brady, so you still haven't read any comics or anything, is that right? That's you know okay. me, I, I, I'm, okay. I'm not a comics guy. I know. Just, just, just seeing where we all land on Yeah. So your favorite Avenger then? Ooh, that's you, can, you don't have to think about their abs, just in general, like, who you... No, enjoy. no, no, you have to think about their abs. Abs and faces have to be taken into consideration. Good gracious. <laughs> just in general, I mean, if we're going by the desert island analogy... No, forget that. That was okay. a bad analogy. I shouldn't have made that. <laughs> Alright, or, or just someone that I could hang out with, I'd probably say Iron Man, and then, hey, let me wear one of the suits. There you go. There you go. And then I can feel like a superhero, too, because, I mean, hey, that's just awesome. I get it. Uh, Steven, um, we, we're sitting in the shadow of your uh, excellent collection of comics, so <laughs> I would guess that this goes back a ways. Okay, so my first exposure to the Avengers, trading cards. Yeah? Yeah, uh, when, I was a kid, when I was a kid, I got into the cartoons, like mm -hmm. the X-Men cartoons, the Batman cartoons, mm -hmm. superhero, I actually to this day consider cartoons to be the apex medium for the superhero. The live-action movies are great. They're wonderful. I love comics. I love superhero comics. But the best way to experience the superhero story is in the cartoon. But the cartoons, there weren't Avengers cartoons at the time. And I've actually never seen any of the Avengers cartoons, because there are a couple of them now. I've never seen them. The ones I've seen are pretty good. Yeah, yeah the, the Avengers assemble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was decent. pretty good. But, um... My excitement for the X-Men cartoons and the Spider-Man cartoons at the time led my parents to 
buy us a huge box of trading cards for Marvel Comics. This must have been 93. Yeah. Yeah, so this was, like, right in the middle of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, or right after it. Um, and so I had those cards, so I know all the characters from Marvel Comics from that time have never read most of their comics, but I know who they are, and I know what their relative power levels are. Yeah. Um, and around that same time, my brother did get a copy of Infinity Gauntlet, mm-hmm. and that was the moment when I was first really impressed with Captain America, mm-hmm. because there's a moment where Thanos is about to just obliterate everyone. The only guy left standing is Captain America. Can't do anything. He just walks up and socks Thanos in the face, and that. then dies. But he <laughs> does it, and it's amazing. It's this fantastic moment. He gets better. Comic books. It's, he gets better. <laughs> Nobody's dead. <laughs> so... That answers the next question that you're going to ask. Yeah. Of the Avengers, I love Hawkeye. The Hawkeye ongoing series is brilliant. It's, yeah. Well, was brilliant. It's now ended. So right. it's not ongoing anymore. Um, and I think that um, I've always had a soft spot for the Vision. Um, but really, Captain America. I just love the fact that he's a man who represents this ideal of what our country should be like. And even when our country's not always like that, he still stands by it. I'm not even a huge patriot. I hate the 4th of July. It's my least favorite holiday. But Captain America, that idealism, that optimism that goes behind him, he's my favorite character far and away. Well, it's, it's that moral compass, even apart from just patriotism. Oh, yeah. And how dare you uh, dislike a holiday where you can have a steak with your burger and no one looks at you twice. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. You can do that any day of the week. It's called Chili's. Mark. <laughs> But there are fireworks. Yeah, true fireworks. <laughs> so, um, I always liked the X-Men. I think I, my first comic was a Spider-Man comic and liked cartoons. Every time I was going to ask you, when you read Batman, do you have, hear Kevin Conroy's voice in your If head? it's a good Batman story, it's Kevin Conroy's voice. And if it's a bad Batman story? Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> oh, I am the knight! <laughs> That's gonna mess up how I read Hey! I'm Batman! <laughs> okay. And when you read. Oh gosh! When you read Wolverine, is it the voice from the cartoon? That's still. Like, that that is not even the tiniest bit Canadian. Yeah, it's, oh, it's Australian. Yeah. Crying out loud. It's yeah, Canadian, whatever. Like. What are countries? What are countries? <laughs> They, it's sometimes on the right accents, it's okay, and sometimes it's like, oh, what is this garbage? Just, just write what they're saying. Hugh Jackman was born to play Wolverine, but in my mind, Wolverine will always sound like the '90s cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right, Bob. <laughs> the first, I, the first time I remember seeing the X Men was like a cartoon or a cartoon, a commercial for the action figures, and I was like, I would like some of these. Who are these guys? And then heard the like saw the series, and then. Started reading the comics, and the first time I heard about the Avengers was. Did you read the Onslaught epic thing? That no, did? no, missed that. Yeah, apparently it was something that people hated, and like, the fallout of it, people hated. But I was like, "Hey, look at all these guys!" And it was, you know, the the Avengers coming together with the um, uh, X Men and the Fantastic Four. That was the first time I'd been exposed to them. So I was like, "Oh, this is Captain America." I thought Iron Man was a robot. 
So I he might have been at that point, actually. Iron Man's gone through a lot of weird changes. It was, I, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot to do in there. He was just, he didn't talk very much. It was mostly Captain America, X-Men, and, fan, and uh, Mr. Fantastic-centric, so... Anyway, but then, yeah, since I, I was, I doubted, I was like, I don't know about Iron Man, because he was a C-list level, you know, guy before the uh, movie came out, and then now, he's, you know, big as it gets, so. And I, I would pick Thor, because. He can fly. <laughs> no, because of the abs. Oh, okay. So, anyway, uh, I thought we could take a break now, and then we'll come back with our uh, very, very, very spoilery review, not, well, review? No. Yeah, response. 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 Uh, appreciation of uh, Age of Ultron. Woo-woo! So welcome back. What we found out over the break is that The Prestige is actually Christopher Nolan's best film, and if you don't think so, then apparently you're wrong. <laughs> I did not know this. You're welcome. I'm glad I could set you all right. <laughs> I thought The Dark Knight had some arguments, but no. No, they have arguments. They're just wrong. And Inception is just right out. Yeah, no, not even close. Well, let's talk about a really great movie that we saw, guys. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm in my Iron Man shirt, and I'm ready to talk about it. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Iron Man. <coughs> nope, we're talking about Age of Ultron. We're talking oh. about Age of Ultron. Yes. Oh. I, I don't have a Avengers t-shirt. I saw Death Comes to Pemberley. We could talk about that. Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with Emily now. <laughs> so, um, I, I had a couple of questions I asked everybody in, in thinking of Age of Ultron, and we can kind of cover the scenes that we love from the movie as well. But what makes a good sequel, and does Age of Ultron meet those requirements? Hmm. Uh, what makes a good sequel, for me at least, is that sequels are hard to do because I get bored really quickly because I feel like in a lot of sequels they're trying really hard to make it as good as the first movie and they don't succeed a lot of the times, especially when we're talking about Disney sequels. Not Pixar sequels necessarily, but Disney sequels, Little Mermaid 2, anybody? Any of the Cinderella sequels? Bother. Anyway. I, but but Spy Who Shagged Me, uh, Austin Powers, yes. Yeah. But repeat the same jokes and, you know, yeah. But yeah. I, they kept me, I think it, it kept me interested enough because it had a, you know, interesting storyline and there was enough action and comedy and things like that. And I think that the things that they did as far as character development was nice. It, like, watching the movie, I liked Black Widow even more than I did in the first Avengers. I liked Hawkeye more. Mm -hmm. I liked pretty much everybody more, except for Tony Stark. No? Mm -hmm. Really? Because of, because <laughs> his mad scientist turn, or... He just bugged me in this movie. Like, I understood where he was coming from emotionally with stuff, and he really has that... He still has that post-traumatic kind of a deal. He thinks his friends are going to die, but well, he yeah. has that vision because of the Scarlet Witch, you know what I mean? But he just didn't really do it for me as much as he... Like, he, he grinded my gears a little bit. He was missing a little bit of the charm. I think I agree yeah. with that. He, he didn't quite have the, the RDJ charm that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there were um, moments that I love. I'm sorry, I'm eating pizza while I'm talking. How dare you? The podcast sin. Wham. <laughs> the part where they're in the they're in the facility after they've infiltrated, and he pushes he's pushing on the wall because other BSC are replacing with their stupid door. Yay! <laughs> that was my favorite. My oh my god! Line is. <laughs> I have listed true. here in my notes. <laughs> so, so I right talked about that like five times after I saw the movie. Right before that, he comes into the room full of Hydra soldiers, like 
I don't know, a dozen of them or something. He's like, guys, let's talk about this. They're all shooting him. And then he just, like, pop, like, hits them all with his little darts or whatever it is that he has in the, on his shoulder. And he's like, good talk. And one guy is just real quiet. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. That, 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 was, was, that. that was such a I caught it on the second viewing. I thought I'd heard it on the first one, but everyone was laughing too hard because he was just like, good talk. And they're all like, Ugh. Brady, uh, what makes a good sequel? So I think that what makes a good sequel is in in a, an original movie or a book or what have you, basically you're spending your time showing characters and their backgrounds and, you know, just how they can get together, especially in something like The Avengers. Um, a sequel needs to be adding depth to all of your characters. And that's something that I don't think that Joss Whedon could really do in the first movie. Because he had to do, well, they had to get together in the first place. But this movie definitely had the depth. And, of course, you know, he kind of cheated in how, in how he did it. Because you have, oh, everybody's going to see nightmares. And these nightmares will give you depth into their characters. Thank you, Scarlet Witch. I don't know if that's a cheat so much as, I don't know, a way to use your characters that you have. You know, you're bringing in Scarlet Witch, and then that's... You know, her connection to the team and something that gives her, you know, pain later, I think. It'll be something that, like, is drawn back upon in, in sequels, you know. I think that, you know, she has her problems in the comics. I think it's something they can use on it later. I don't know, I don't know if they call it a cheat or as much as a tool, but maybe it's cheating. But then again, I, I feel like the character that was the best developed in this movie, that was very underserved in the first movie, and of course even worse underserved, worse... However, I can say that. But who even got a bigger shaft in Thor, because he was there for like five seconds, was Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. And here we see Hawkeye has a family. He has a life. He has a wife who he loves, and they actually have a good relationship. But he doesn't have a pizza dog. He doesn't have a pizza dog. Doesn't count. That's important. Does not fit into my head canon. Uh. There's no pizza dog. <laughs> so this is now an alternate universe canon. That's exactly right. Yeah. It worked well for the movie. I like. Oh, it was it. great. It I was great it. for the movie. And and I'm trying to find the actress's name because she's wonderful. Who plays his wife? Oh, it's it's Linda Car Cardellini who yeah, so was in Freaks and Geeks. She was the main. The, she the main was girl. So Thank many you. I'm gonna have to IMDb her later because I swear I've seen her in other. She's things. been in like a thousand things. Off the top of my head, I could think Freaks. And Geeks, Legally Blonde, and the live-action versions of Scooby-Doo. So we'll talk about... I've not seen any of those. Well, you should we'll talk about Freaks and Geeks. She was Velma, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I loved her as that part. I just... I liked her, and I hate Freddie Prince Jr. And does I anybody like Freddie Prince Jr.? He does. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm not really a Sarah Michelle Gellar fan. I know, I know, I know. No, I know. no, no, no. No one's no. going to judge you for that one. No, no. no. She was no. Buffy. Now, Buffy, fine, Buffy was but... great despite Sarah Michelle Gellar. Ah, okay. Right. All right. I watched the pilot and I was like, wow, I remember what the 90s are like now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what makes a good sequel, Stephen? Oh, um, for me, a good sequel has two different components. Um, it has tighter focus mm -hmm. and it has progression. If yeah. you have a sequel where the characters revert and they have the same... Uh, arc that they have to go through, they have to learn the same lessons, you have not done your job as a sequel. Mm -hmm. um, you also do need to have focus, and I think 
it's, it's difficult to pull off the focus because the impulse, especially if you're a studio executive, it seems, is to make the sequel bigger. Put more stuff in the sequel. But that's not always the strongest route, especially since there's going to be a cap. Because there will come a point when you can't get any bigger. <coughs> <coughs> My throat. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you should you should really get that uh, bug out of your throat. Yeah, I should. Yeah. It's the bay. Sounds like a racist bug. It is. <laughs> um, so, for me, the Avengers fails on one of the points. Avengers Age of Ultron doesn't have enough focus. Yeah, it's, 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 everyone. It's a bloated movie. It has way too much stuff going on in it. It does have more progress. Nobody feels like they've reverted back to the beginning of the Avengers. Everything that happens feels like it's a natural progression. Even when I don't like where it's going... It is a progression. Um, ultimately, I have to say that even though I think it's got a lot of problems, and I'm sure we'll talk about the problems, I liked Age of Ultron better than the first Avengers movie. I have very specific reasons for liking it better, and I'm sure we'll get into Brady's that. in pain. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't quite agree, but that's just me that's okay. We'll talk about it. I'm not, we'll saying, about I'm not saying either of the movies were bad, either. I love Avengers, and I loved Age of Ultron. Um, as a sequel, I think it has a lot of problems, though. Mm. And a lot of it is that they tr introduce too much. They have Ultron, they have Quicksilver, the Scarlet Witch, they have uh, Vision. Vision that pops up three-quarters of the way through the movie and gets no arc at all. Do you think if they were given more time, uh, in the, if, if the sequel was worked in such a way that they had more, like, not necessarily more, more runtime of the movie, but more attention were on those characters to develop them, that, that it'd be better? It would, because um, you don't need to develop Iron Man anymore. Right. He's had four movies now, at this point, to be developed. You don't need to develop Captain America, because he's had three movies. You need to develop Thor because his movies don't do anything for him. Uh, like, I was going to say... We got into that last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hate the Thor movies. Um, oh, so My favorite of the first of uh, the Phase 1 movies. Uh, I, know. It's, I didn't expect it, but I just I love it. We're fighting. Um, <laughs> Loki, man. Come on. He's a babe. But that's not my argument. Okay, yeah, but yeah. So because they spent, it fails because it doesn't develop the new characters nearly well enough. Scarlet Witch, who should have been the breakout character of this movie, yeah, and was almost there, doesn't quite get the development she needs. Quicksilver is completely shortchanged. He gets just enough that you care about him. Hey, don't judge him, bro. <laughs> I good accents. Kind of disagree. I thought they were decent. I was decent. expecting. I was expecting really bad accents because as as someone oh. who knows Russians who try to speak English, oh, they did a good job. <laughs> but I'm saying, in movies, like go and watch Hunt for Red October. This is actually like the Russian language in movies. Yeah. Um, Alec Baldwin's two lines of Russian is better than all of Sean Connery's, and Sean Connery's the Soviet subcommander. <laughs> 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 it's like it's not even some of the stuff he says isn't even like what the subtitles say. That's a common problem in translations and movies. But like, you know, they, oh. well, Sam Neil is even worse than that. Oh, but Sam Neil, you can't understand anything that he's saying, and I should be able to understand it because I understand the Russian language. Ugh. So this has been our. Age of the Red October podcast. <laughs> yes. Does anyone else think it's funny that um, the two actors that played the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were married in Godzilla? It was a little oh my gosh! I did not put that together! Oh, yeah. 
When I saw Godzilla, I was like, this is going to be weird. Ultron <laughs> comes out. Right. Well, if you've read the Ultimates comics, there was a twin sesty thing going on with them. Yeah. Which is about number five on a list of thousands of reasons why I don't read Ultimate Marvel at all. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man is good. Ultimate Spider-Man was good, and it That's was all the that only I one. <laughs> like, I, I try to ignore the rest of it, because I read that too. Like, ooh, yeah. But um, I compare sequels to two sequels that I think... Um, Hit the mark, and that's uh, Empire Strikes Back and Toy Story Two. <laughs> and this, both excellent, both excellent sequels. Because they, you get. Let's not talk about it. Because you get more character time. You get to know the characters more. Mm-hmm. The story moves along. I think one of the requirements is that the you need to expand the world of the first movie, whatever the first movie was. Yeah. You need to get a sense of the the wider world. Uh, Catching Fire did that. Mm-hmm. Um, the book and the film. I'm not going to talk about the, how well or not well the book was written. Yes. Um, or compare, you know, that movie to to like films, films, you know. But that is something that that it did well as a sequel. Uh, the stakes need to change, and the status quo needs to change too. It can't be villain of the week. It can't be, right. you know, how they're going to get out of this mess this time. It has to be something different. It has to right. give you a reason to come back. Something to build on for next time, too. Right. I think it was a good sequel. I, I, you know, I feel like it met those requirements. Yes, it was a little bloated, but, like, maybe I'm, I'm seeing this, like, as too much of a fan and just, you know, oh, more movies, more better. That wasn't the case with The Hobbit, I found out. Yeah. Oh. I, was, I was a huge fan of the extended editions yeah. of Lord of the Rings, but then The Hobbit was just too much. So. so there is a point when it is too much, even if you love it, love it, love it. But yeah. I, I don't know. I like I like Dave Ultron. I um, I thought it... See, and, and here's, here's my thing with the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, is I don't view them as individual movies. I, I view it more as an extended TV show that we have to wait a long time for the next episode. Oh, it, it's totally serial. It totally is. And and when I look at that, I look at the things that they added and how much was in there and realize that the payoff is not necessarily for this movie with the elements that they add. That is leading towards the future. You know, that's leading towards the season finale, which is coming up, you know. It's not necessarily all for just that. I mean, that's why Cap was Cap Two was really really good. I think my favorite out of all the movies, even after Avengers and Avengers Two and Guardians of the Galaxy, I think Captain America Two still is arguably the best one. Uh, seconded, I very yeah. much agree with this. And it was it, as we had this discussion last it, time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to repeat that. It, I mean, it did its it did its piece to like connect to the other movies, and you know, it changed the, how Shield operates. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It didn't really have a connection to the Infinity Stones, so that's kind of how everything else is. That like all the other movies, not all of the other movies, because Iron Man One and Iron Man Two, you don't get that. But um, you know, everyone's doing their piece, kind of leading up to Infinity War, which I mean, it has to be a huge payoff. That's going to be a tricky sequel to do to yes, incorporate all the characters. Yes, to, it will. You know, Thanos show him actually doing something because he's like spaceport a body just to. Hey, he walked this time. I know. And reached out, which is more than he's done. You know, so we've now seen Thanos get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we've seen him get into Asgard because the last place that the, the uh, gauntlet was was in the trophy room, right? Well, uh, yeah, and, and and if you think about it, I mean, he's the one who gave Loki the 
Infinity Stone in the first place with the staff. Mm -hmm. So, thinking that he'd get another one out of it, and he lost them both. And, of course, now Loki is pretending to be Odin. So, hey! He's got a he, could, he has an in where he could just say, hey, remember that time where I gave you all that power and then you screwed me over? Yeah, I'm going to go take this cloth. I want it back now. Well, um... Let's talk about the movie. I, I love how it opens. Um, some of the lines early on when <laughs> Cap saying language, and they play back on that the whole time. I knew it. I was like, Cap's gonna curse at the end of the movie. Someone's gonna call him on it. It's gonna be beautiful, and it was. Uh, Strucker surrendering. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's funny. He's like, No surrender. I am going to surrender. And immediately, immediately turns. I don't think that like, I, I don't know if they had anything on Agents of Shield with him. Just well, actually, referenced but not shown or something. Okay, so I'm going to spoil a little bit of Agents of Shield here because oh no, stop, come back because <laughs> <laughs> it, it is connected. So the the week the week before Age of Ultron came out in theaters, they actually pretty much led right up to it, and it had Strucker and I can't remember the other guy who Strucker was with. Toady. Other science, yeah, Toady the scientist, yeah, yeah, but but the other guy was actually. Um, in the last episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where he was doing his own thing to experiment on people with abilities, mm -hmm. and it gets into, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going into this whole Inhumans thing, blah, 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 and so they're trying to study them. But basically, through this guy, Coulson was able to find out about the staff and, you know, the people being experimented on, in, what is the name of the imaginary country? Sokovia. Sokovia. Made up the stand. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, so, so Coulson found out about Sokovia, and he actually is the one who tipped off Maria Hill, who brought the Avengers together, and so it actually goes into all of that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. See, I saw these scenes, and, and Brady is making them much more exciting. So, this means... <laughs> They are very exciting if you have seen all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., therefore, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I will repent and get around to it. And then, <laughs> and then this last week, it actually shows, you know, where the helicarrier came in. Oh. So it actually shows that, because, you know, those were two things when I saw, when I saw Age of Ultron. I hadn't watched, you know, the latest Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point. So that just kind of got to me, like, this doesn't make sense. What, how, why are they back together? Like, who is it that said, hey, everybody, let's get back together and go find the staff? I always just assumed that Sam Jackson did it. Yeah. Because, you know, Sam Jackson. Yeah. 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 And then, you know... The Deosec Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then the helicarrier appearing out of nowhere. I mean, those were two elements that really kind of bugged me, because we don't have any background to it. It turns out there is background to it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, see, that helps, because I, I, the movie worked for me when my wife was seeing it with me the second time. She knew that the helicarrier was coming. I was just like, oh, no. What's going to happen? Just completely forgot about any backup plan that they had come up with. So they go to Sokovia. They take down Hydra. Really great action scene. They start off the movie with a tracking shot that they kind of saved to the end of The Last Avengers. And um, I, I probably squealed like a little girl in the theater when they all jumped <laughs> over that last barrier getting close to the, the um, fortress. Mm -hmm. That was pretty rad. 
Um, love that. So they get in there. Scarlet Witch hits Tony after he finds the secret uh, secret door. I love that. That was secret door. Please be with a giant alien thing that they fought and. Yeah, that was pretty, right. that was pretty the, creepy. The Scarlet Witch introduction is the moment when I realized that this should be the breakout character. Uh-huh. And she wasn't quite. But this moment where she was first seen and when she first interacts with Cap, uh-huh. uh, when she, like, puts her magic mojo on them, and then, like, the camera speed changes as she backs out through the door. I like that. Super creepy cinematography right there. I love it. it it's kind of a cheap trick. Don't care. Love it. Wanted to see more of that that sort of creepy camera work with her. I think that they maybe were trying to. I mean, there's it's limitless what they could do with her powers, you know, because it's kind of vague in the movie. And it was vague in the comics too. Yeah, yeah. She's like hexes. She like gives people bad luck, but she is also yeah. a literal witch. And uh, yeah, yeah she has she has magic on top of her mutant ability. Oh, can I say mutant because it's not. Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did they actually name the characters in the movie? I don't remember them ever using. They never say Starwitch. They never say Quicksilver. I don't think they never they say. Did. They always say the twins, the enhanced, the Maximoffs. I the think Maximoffs, they actually did use uh, their their real names. So, so here, here's something that I don't know if I just missed it, but it never actually goes into where they got their powers. It doesn't go into experimentation. Experimentation yeah. from yeah. the mind gem. Right, they, they were, were the only ones that. They, they volunteered because mm-hmm. they were trying to get revenge on Stark, who they feel destroyed their village, when really it was someone who stole his tech. Right. Which, that, that, that actually makes more sense um, with Scarlet Witch and her abilities, because, I mean, it's the freaking mind gem That's true. That, that, that gave her her abilities, and that also shows why she doesn't really understand the full, you know, the full yeah. impact of it, I don't think. And so, like, I don't think that she understood that she was showing for the future. That's. I was wondering how they're going to do it in the movie because her mutant power, which they can't talk about, um, is just probability, right? It's yeah, just, she can make things happen. It, like random things can happen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't quite understand her powers in the comics because it is, I think, supposed to be like she jinxes people and gives them bad luck. But M Day is a thing that happened where she yeah. powered all of the mutants in the world except yeah. for the ones that people actually care about. So it made no practical difference. <laughs> it was kind of a cleanup method, you know. But. Yeah, but so like I don't understand how it's supposed to work. I just go eh, comics and move on. Yeah, there you go. Um, so they bring the staff back, have a great scene where they have a party. Oh, the party! Um, so I that was the only thing that I had seen before the movie was them trying to pick up the hammer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Ultron's voice came, like in the, you know, I just got out of there. I was like, I can't watch anymore. I don't want to ruin it for me. <laughs> so I, I think I would recommend not watching trailers for movies because it you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what's going to happen, and I think it helps you enjoy it more and not set unrealistic unrealistic expectations for yourself. So, but before we get into, you know, Ultron coming in and, and, the, and the scene with the hammer, I just have to mention Rhodey's story was oh such gosh. a great... Well, there's a bunch of great moments in the party. That, oh, man. Like, Rhodey's story where he thinks he's so great. He's like, yeah, and I dropped the, the tanker, and they said, General, is this the tank you're talking about? And then, nothing. Because <laughs> the Avengers did all that stuff in the opening scene. Which by itself is a better story than anything that Rhodey's come up mm-hmm. with. I feel bad for him. Poor Rhodey, like, he's supposed to be the new Iron Man in the next Avengers movie. And this entire movie, Avengers Age of Ultron, is all about showing, well, it's not all about, but every time Rhodey's on the screen, it's like, oh man, don't you wish you were as cool as Iron Man? But you're not. 
You have a gun. I think they cool. Well, they do a character a bit of a disservice. I think in this movie, he gets that funny moment though where he tells the story again to some civilians and they just mm-hmm. and they love it. Yeah, that's true. He's just like, yeah. Well, and, and you know, one thing that I think is going to be interesting in seeing, you know, Rhodey as the new Avenger is he has a military background where where Tony Stark was just you know. A genius who yep. had toys. Military backgrounds actually do a lot for superheroes that are otherwise kind of boring. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So that have, if they play up on that, they do that well. Um, of course, he, he does have he, he does have to compete with uh, with Falcon, yeah. who also has that military background. Okay. And somehow is cooler. I like Falcon more. Oh, he's so cool. Falcon's yeah. the best. As, as much as I love Ocean's Eleven, Anthony Mackie is just he's cool. Yeah. So. But but I do think it's interesting that Captain America will finally have actual soldiers under him. That's true. Right. And like, good point. That's that is a good point. That is. It, yeah, yeah. that since the Howling Commandos. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and and by the way, I just have to mention because news broke today that well, Agents of Shield is renewed for season three, but more importantly, Agent Carter is renewed yeah. for season two, yeah. and the Howling Commandos are in season one. Of Agent Excellent. Carter, and they're absolutely awesome. Who doesn't love Dum Dum Dugan? Or <laughs> Neil McDonough. Whatever you want because one's his real name. Um, yeah, the party is great. Uh, we get more of the uh, Black Widow and Hulk. You know, she does this, like... You know, Such a bizarre scene. romance. Yeah. I don't think so. It works. Oh, it, it works. bizarre. I didn't see it coming. No. Like, it's not. You know, especially since I don't know what they were trying to do in Civil War, or, uh, not Civil War, but Cap 2, with the uh, the Hawkeye necklace, where she had an arrow on the necklace. Yeah. But it's just, look, they are great friends, and that's all it is. I, in the Hawkeye comic, he describes Black Widow as his work wife. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> totally is so fits. great. Totally and so fits. it's like, okay, fine. They're, that's what their relationship is, fine. That's how it is in the MCU, great. But part of me was like, I want to see the Budapest movie, and you know, have it, <laughs> have it so, start off with the pizza dog and hawk guy and, and grills and. So, so uh, can, can can I just say I don't know if you guys noticed, um, but at the end of the movie, uh, where they see the picture of Hawkeye's baby. Yeah, Milanus Pietro. Yeah, he's yeah. Milanus Pietro, but of course his first name is well, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, after you know being named after Black Widow. Mm-hmm. So. Oh. I didn't catch that. So he's named after what? Natalie. He's named after Black Widow. Quicksilver. That's that's a nice touch. Burton. Rough name to live up to. Yeah. I grew up on a farm, but I'm named after two Avengers. You have to be a really fast ballerina. (laughs) (laughs) Better plie like you like the Pentagon. (laughs) Um. So we get Stanley's best cameo, I think. I think less is more with Stanley, but I really enjoyed that. I like more of. In Spider-Man 1, there's a flash of Stanley, and I don't know if Spider-Man saves him, but it's like... He saves someone scene. else, I think. Oh, he saves someone yes, else. He, he grabs somebody else out of the way of debris. Yeah, like, and, blink and that's it. it. Blink and you miss it, because then it doesn't take you out of the movie. Then you watch it later, and you're like, hey, that was Stanley! Like, the Alfred Hitchcock walk by the movie. Well, Those are the right. best cameos. That's the best, but... The, the best but, cameo, actually, I'm going to say is Big Hero 6. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Apart from Big Girls. <laughs> this one was pretty good. I like how he's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, give me the booze, you know, and like, has to be carried out there. Says Excelsior. <laughs> oh, it was pretty good. Up my little geeky heart. Pretty good. So, what else in the party? The hammer. The hammer, the hammer which leads directly into Ultron. While that's going on... The best the best character moment, I think, for Thor in this whole movie oh, yeah. is when Cap 
moves the hammer just a little bit, and Thor is so shaken by this. His, yeah. Thor in this movie especially kind of, it's not like he, he was kind of flat. Kind he of. was. He was. Like, he was given as much to do. Right, that's, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like okay. he's not a, he's not a terrible actor or anything. No, he's like I, I love him as he Thor. He just kind of fell flat, probably because they didn't ads. give him anything. Uh, yeah, it's very important. But that <laughs> even that subtle moment in his eyes. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's yeah. just this most subtle. My face is falling. What is happening? Okay. Oh, 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 oh. We're good. Oh, yeah. Now the cars. Cap can lift it, or has lifted it. I think... I, I'm actually not as familiar with the Avengers in the comics as I would like to be. But it would make sense. Superman has lifted it. Wonder Woman has. Oh, that was awful, though. Well, it changed her costume, and it gave her a boob window, which... Uh, that's what the definition of worthy is, apparently, if you're a girl. Oh, I was talking about in the um, DC versus Marvel. That's what I was talking about, too. It, it, changed, changed, her it changes her costume, and somehow makes it even more stripperific. Oh, I just, there was a fight scene when they're split up and they're on the same team fighting bad guys, and he, like, loses his hammer and she just hands it to him and they all go back to fight again. Oh, that one! I forgot about that. Yeah, that was better. What comics are you No, there's a, there's a, this is such a tangent, you guys. No, there's a a moment where Wonder Woman fought Storm in the same series, and she had Thor's hammer for some reason, and then gave up the hammer, and then Storm beat her, which, whatever. So if you can have Thor's hammer, don't give it up. It's the so so that, that just leads me to to a little bit of a tangent. Am I the only one hoping that Beta Ray Bale shows up in Ragnarok? He won't, but it would be amazing. I think there'll be a reference to him, but he won't actually show up. There'll be enough of one to be like, that would have been more Beta Ray Bale. And that'll be it. Which is a shame. I just think that's why I go to like really random character. Like, yeah, he's like Thor, but he's a horse. <laughs> <laughs> So, while they're having their party in the background, Ultron is becoming self-aware, which, I, haven't they seen a movie before, like, don't make, a, don't make artificial intelligence. It will take about five seconds to realize that people need to die. Tony Stark has never seen Terminator. Tony Stark has never seen Terminator, because he, he gets pretty close to this, the uh, Skynet moment there. But can, can I say that I loved that exchange between Ultron and Jarvis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's just like, Wait, what's going on? This no, feels weird. I don't like it. Die. It's just, yeah. I, you know, that's summarizing, but die. Ultron was a weird character for me. I don't know how much I liked Ultron. I do like that he had a personality, and that it was basically Tony Stark's personality, but evil. <laughs> Coming out of James Spader's right. mouth. It, it, it's it's like, yeah. this really should have worked for me a lot better than it did. That was my next question, is how does Ultron measure up to previous villains, and how does he do as a villain? Well, I really liked him, so Marvel I can't too. really talk critically, I guess. With very few exceptions, um, Loki being the primary one, yeah. before anybody jumps down my throat again. No, 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 the right. Marvel Comics, the MCU movie villains have been weak. They, they really have. They've not been developed as well as they should have been. Well, they, they haven't been the focus of the movie. I know, and that's that's been a problem. And they haven't been well-known. Whiplash. Whiplash, come on! Iron, Ironmonger. Uh, the Abomination, I guess. I never read the Hulk comics. Yeah. I don't know how big Abomination is. But it's all versions, uh, like darker versions of the main character for the most part. It's just mm-hmm. like... Eh. Yeah, um, even Red Skull, I felt, yeah. was really underdeveloped. When He's one of the great Marvel villains. Yeah. He is a Nazi with a skull for a face. He should be this over-the-top evil deliciousness. And he was not. 
better than the other ones. Not as good as Loki, I'd say. No, Loki is Loki is easily the top. Yeah. Um, and then the the villains from Cap Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I would probably put Ultron up there, but it's his competition's not stiff at this point. Yeah. I, Performance is excellent. Yeah. That's the thing is that if you're watching the blacklist, then you know how great James Spader oh, yeah. is. <laughs> and Ultron basically was Red Reddington. Pretty yeah. much. Um, with, uh, if Red was out to get everyone, and not just people who have, you know, wronged him. Yeah. But I I loved it. I mean, I was surprised because I thought it was just going to be, you know, the Ultron I knew from the comic books, like his little drone bots with not too much facial expression, and it was just going to be a really creepy voice coming out of a robot face. But it had a lot of facial capture that they used. That bothered me so much. Was that creepy to you? The mouth was creepy. I think it worked well. It unnerved you a little bit. Like, he was a robot that could kind of humanize a little bit. No, I spent the entire time like, why does he have lips? What robot gives himself lips? It's weird. I could see James Spader. Exactly, and I love that because I love James. He has this physicality about him when he moves and performs, and I love that they incorporated that character. Yeah, yeah, it it, it did bother me. I can I can see why people would like it. It wasn't. I no, not not. Did you have nightmares about it later? No, no, it didn't. It took me out of the movie. It weirded me out. It didn't make him scarier. It made him silly to me. That was my response. But I understand. I understand why people do like it. I'm not saying your opinion is wrong. No, this I mean, like, if, it, if it didn't hit you right, then it didn't hit you right. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it worked for me. I think that it could have been taken too far. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things in the movie could have been taken too far, and it could have ruined it. But I think that, yeah, it was different. Yeah, why does the robot have lips? But, hey, he's creepy. And his, his voice was really good. Really good. Really good. One of the new great supervillain voices, I Oh, think. yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, like, his just contempt for everything was just great. And, like... When, uh, what does uh, Scarlet Wears say to him? She's like, you're going to destroy the Avengers. He's like, well, uh, crap, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like, it's a really basic line, but I just, I set it up wrong. But she says, um, I promise. Oh, yeah, you're going to destroy the Avengers. She's like, I'm going to save the world. And, well, yeah. And just, <laughs> uh, see ends. It's just, like, so, the ways that he says things are really funny, how he, he, when he when he gets up and going and, and you know, recruits the the twins and they meet up with Ulysses Claw, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in uh, somewhere somewhere near South Africa because his accent's a little South African, I think. <laughs> um, what and, accent do you have in Wakanda, though? That's true. Mm. It's a I would imagine it, uh, I would imagine it would be similar to other African countries around it. I don't know where it's supposed to be in relation to other ones, but um, Andy Circus is amazing. Speaking yeah. of motion capture oh, yeah. and, and um, oh, yeah. that whole scene. But yeah, when he when he cuts off his arm and he's really upset, you know, he has these moments where of, of rage where he can't control himself and then goes back to, ooh, I'm sorry, oh, I think that'll be okay. And he cuts the guy's arm off. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a robot. He can't just get another one, you know. <laughs> oh. but, but, but speaking of getting new arms, Veronica? Veronica? Oh. Anyone yeah. know Veronica? Fan? Oh, my God. How does this work? How does Tony Stark have armor when Jarvis is gone? How do you Because he has the backup program with the girl's voice. He doesn't use that until the very end of the movie. So we know that Jarvis was still kind of running in the background. Yeah. So somehow he had enough control to call it down. That it's, is maybe a little hole. It is not hole. often that I pick plot holes in a movie. I promise, guys, I loved this movie. I really did. I'm just saying the bad stuff, but I did like it. But Jarvis, yeah, this was the Jarvis one... Jarvis critical. This was the one plot hole... In any of the Marvel movies, really, to date, that stood out to me the first time I watched the movie. 
See, once I realized it was Hulkbuster, I don't care. Yeah, care. true. So yeah. that's probably why people maybe haven't picked it apart yet. But Yeah, right. and I, I just thought of it as, well, it was co-developed by Banner, so it's probably using different technology. Oh, that's true, too. There you go. I don't know if you're going to say something. I'm just looking to make sure we haven't missed any awesome scenes. Dude, we do not have time to go over every inch of this movie. Ulysses Claw mentioning Wakanda before they found him. They had to find him using physical records because Ultron had, like, taken over everything else. Yeah, this is all good stuff. Yeah. Um, really love Ulysses Claw. I guess he's going to be the villain in Black Probably Panther. Probably Black Panther, yes. yeah. yeah. I don't know him from the comics. Yes, that's correct. You have corroborating evidence. I've been told. Oh, okay. It would make sense. That's yeah. like the one time, the one comic I have ever read with Claw in it was actually Claw versus Daredevil, which is funny because Claw's powers are all sound based. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Like, would he wouldn't do well against Daredevil, or how does he deafens Daredevil because oh, Daredevil oh. is super hearing? So he has. Okay, I thought. Yeah. So, and it was it was really interesting, but it's literally my only exposure to the character. I see. That and the card. I, well then, yeah. So you know how he, he rates against other characters? Yeah, he's not middling. Okay. But I'm, I'm excited for Andy Serkis to be on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. I love Andy Serkis when he's himself. Like, his, even his little character in 13 going on 30, he's so He's fun. a good physical actor, and sometimes the mocap distracts from it. Yeah. He, he's great when he's just on screen. Mm -hmm. He really is. And so this, yeah. is, uh, this was the first I knew that Andy Serkis was involved in the Marvel movies, was when I saw him. In Age of Ultron. I had no idea I, he was I there. And it was great. Yeah. It was great just, to see him. He did a good job. He was just like, the twins tried to intimidate him. He's like, no nope. kids, come back later. Right. <laughs> and then Ultron introduced himself by busting through a thread, like throwing through a thread. <laughs> As most people do. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I love that part, and I forget what I was going to say about that part, except it was great. Oh, he's into the Hulkbuster fight. Yeah. Which has some of my favorite lines. Go sleep, go sleep, go sleep, go sleep, go sleep. <laughs> I love how he's like, it's like he's trying to talk his buddy down from a tantrum. And he's like, he's trying to keep from wrecking too much. I think that they were, you know, mindful of how everyone reacted to Man of Steel. Not just Man of Steel. destruction. Let's be fair. Well, in the Avengers too. People freaked out about the destruction in the Avengers, and yeah. the only reason we aren't still talking about that is because Man of Steel came along and was somehow so worse. worse. Yeah. But yeah, I love how, you know, he tried, he gets the people out of the elevator, and then bashes them over the head of the elevator. <laughs> he punches yeah. him so hard that he spits out a tooth and just gives him this angry look. And when I saw that... I'm uh, sorry. That <laughs> killed me. That <laughs> killed me. Uh, oh. Such a great oh crap moment. Yeah. So good. That was one of the standout moments to me. Um, trying to get close to the end here, um, what were the other standout moments of this movie? That, what, like in the first Avengers, we had the puny god. Which made Hulk more of a star and kind of stood out. Um, what were some of the moments in this movie that I, I know of? Like the one, I'm guessing that you, maybe someone will say I won't say it, but um, Hawkeye's speech to Scarlet Witch. Yes, is so good. It's so good. That was the one. We're on a flying movie. city, fighting killer robots, fighting an army of killer robots, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. <laughs> a bow and arrow. <laughs> A bow and arrow. Does he say it twice? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. And then, and then, of course, just you know, you walk out that door, you're an Avenger. That was. Yeah. Oh, it, that's a powerful moment. And there, now I'm sad that Wanda wasn't a bigger, like she wasn't the standout character. Now I'm sad about that. Yeah. That like that they, scene should have been the climax of her arc uh -huh. in a way that really made us feel like she is a hero now. Yeah. But she and didn't, it was, but it wasn't like. Right. We didn't have the, the enough of the development beforehand for that to really have the impact that it needed to, but 
I still, that is my favorite moment of the movie. It is actually the moment, it is the moment that makes Avengers 2 work for me in a way that Avengers 1 never did. When you combine that with um, the entire climax of the movie being about, we've got this flying city that's going to be slammed into the earth as a meteor, let's save everyone. Yeah. When you've got Iron Man fighting the Hulk and he does a scan of this building to make sure that there are no people in it before he crashes the Hulk into the building. How quickly can we buy this building? <laughs> there are there are two things that I want to see in a superhero movie that are going to make me cry, that are going to make me love the movie. I want to see heroes saving people, and I want to see heroes inspiring people. Mm -hmm. That's all I need. You didn't have enough of that in the Avengers, and frankly you haven't had enough of that in any of the Marvel movies up until, I think, Cap 2. Mm. Um, but the instant that, that Avengers Age of Ultron comes around and is like, Everything, every action that they make is about saving people. And it becomes the question, are we so caught up in, in stopping the bad guys that we're not saving people, or are we willing to make the greater sacrifice that we need to help others? And yeah. in Hawkeye's case, take the time to inspire the woman who has this potential to be very, very influential in the world, but is afraid. Oh, man, that... that really did it for me. I'm crying. I'm, I'm like tearing up just talking <laughs> well, about he's this. The, he's like, and they talk about it, you know, he's the weak one and his wife tells him, you need to keep him grounded. You know, you need to be there to remind him, you know. Hawkeye kills it in this movie. Yeah, he does. And he did, he's, and like, he's I love that because he, he didn't get any love in the first one because it, it couldn't. He yeah. was, you just he was, couldn't. his mind was taken over and, you know, all the things had to be done. Um, kills it in this movie. Absolutely. He's the one with the bow and arrow telling the one who Possibly is the most powerful of all of them. I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, you, maybe depending on the comic you're reading, who's writing it. <laughs> you know, it, she could do all this much, and she does like bust out her powers at one point later on when Quicksilver dies. Oh, that's my least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it was almost my least favorite part, except I was really glad that Hawkeye didn't die. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> because. Justin teases us. Mm -hmm. You know, he has to go back for the kid. He tells his wife he has one more project around the house, and he's going to be done. And he's mm -hmm. going to—that's going to be it. And they have this wonderful relationship. And you know, Josh Whedon's going to just rip out your heart and like set it up. And hold well, it. well, no, technically, yeah. Scarlet Witch ripped out Ultron's heart. Uh, and I've done yeah. this. This is how it feels. <laughs> oh. Do that. Do that accent again. No. <laughs> um, I love that moment, and I love when Scarlet. <laughs> When Quicksilver comes back, grabs Scarlet Witch, and takes off, and says, Try to keep up, old man! And Clint Barton draws his boat. No one would know. No one would know. Oh, yeah. I saw, I saw Ultron was sitting on top of him. Bastard would dearly missed. I miss him already. He's like, he really wants to shoot him, but he's not going to. And he's just jogging, trying not to lose any of his arrows. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Cracked me up in the middle of all this, like, just craziness going on. And the whole city's going to crash. And again, in the middle of the craziness, you've got Iron Man, or excuse me, Hulk, or excuse me, how many Avengers can I name wrong? Captain America and there Thor teaming up to save a woman falling off the edge of the yeah. of the island in the sky. Yeah. Oh, it was so great. So great to see that. Yeah. Mm. I like how they I liked how in a couple of action scenes they use the powers together. Um you know, yeah. Thor. Thor and Captain America just casually smacking the shield uh -huh. to create that sonic uh -huh. wave. Right. Yeah, I love it's like they're running at us. Yeah, they're excited. Bam! <laughs> See, one thing that adds a lot of depth to them wanting to save all these people is the fact that at the beginning of the movie, these are the same people who have the paintings of 
you know, the, the, the graffiti of Tony Stark with the, yeah. with the dollar signs. Yeah. They, yeah. They, these are the same people throwing fruit and whatever else. Acid at one of the uh, yeah. legionnaires or whatever they call the... Um, you know. Exactly. And so, so these are people who were born and raised basically by Hydra to hate yeah. the Avengers. And the Avengers are doing everything that they can to save them. Yeah. They could just be like, eh, no loss, whatever. But they're not going I mean, obviously they'd lose the whole world if they did that. Right. What what do you think the standout scene was for you, Emily? Oh I don't like this question. <laughs> what do you what scene do you think about then when you think about the movie? When I think about the movie? The one that gets me, and really it's not even like the culminating moment of the movie. But it's that point where Vision has been, you know, created, and they can't tell. They don't know whether they can trust this guy. He picks up Thor's hammer and hands it to him. Oh, yeah, that was, like, that was mine. That it's was like, mine. <laughs> what can you do to assure that all of the Avengers yeah. trust Vision? Yeah. And in Thor's hammer. And they're all just, That was a good moment. Well, uh, the first time I saw it, everyone just gasped. And the second time I saw it, there was a little bit of a gap. Everyone was like, what just happened? Oh, my wife just yelled, whoa! But <laughs> so great. So great. Well, and then I love how they argue about that near the end of the movie. Put the hammer in an elevator! Elevator goes up. The elevator's not worthy. <laughs> Vision gets, I think, what is probably the Joss Whedoniest line of all of the Avengers movies. Um, just knowing a little bit about Joss Whedon's uh, uh, philosophies, he... Uh, it has this final conversation with Ultron. You're afraid of you? Of death. You're the last one. You're supposed to be the last. Stark asked for a savior and settled for a slave. I suppose we're both disappointments. Ultron laughs. I suppose we are. Humans are odd. They think order and chaos are somehow opposites and try to control what won't be. But there is grace in their failings. I think you missed that. They're doomed. Yes, but a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. It is a privilege to be among them. You're unbearably naive. Well, I was born yesterday. <laughs> that is strange. That's the one? In particular, that bit about it's a privilege to be among them and they're doomed. Like, that, that is such a Joss Whedon thing. And that was the moment when his thumbprint was big and clear on the movie. Wasn't a bad moment. I was going to say, Mine I like Joss Whedon. Either. Was not a bad moment. Because I think, I think Vision's... Uh, respect for life is what's going to make him an interesting character to watch. Mm. It, it's not the Pinocchio aspect. He's not wanting to be human, but he's wanting to honor everything that is human. It's a, it's a nuance, but I think it's an important one. It's going to make him a lot more interesting than a lot of similar characters that we've seen. Can, can I just say I look forward to seeing Thanos try to go after the Mind Gem? Oh, I'm worried that he'll get it. He will. But it's a two-part movie. I You'll have to get it at some point. Yeah. Well, I don't. I guess he hasn't gotten any of them so far. So why should he start then? That's true. But then again, he hasn't been trying himself. Yeah. I think the point of the films, um, uh, Captain America says, it's not about beating Ultron. It's about proving we're not monsters. Oh, oh that speech was so good. You know, and that's kind of the argument, isn't it? That Ultron thinks they're all monsters, and they're like, well, no, we're not. But then you look at what Ultron wants to do and what Tony Stark wants to do. Mm -hmm. And it's it's similar, and the means are different, but you know, I see this. The same thing. I see this movie as being a real response to the way that the superhero movies have been for the last ten years. It's all been about these big destructive climaxes. Every Marvel movie, I think, yeah, I think every Marvel movie to date, um, ever since the cinematic universe started, has ended with death from the sky. There's always been some big thing in the sky that is raining death down on normal people. Yeah. 
it, it's really small scale in Iron Man 1. It's like the single suit is up there bringing down a single building. Right. But it just has gotten bigger and people are dying in these mm. movies. And I know that it's realistic to have people die in movies. I don't want to see people die in my superhero movie. I want to see a man in the sky that is here to save us. That's all I want to see. And Avengers 2 was really speaking to that. But the superheroes have gotten dark. And people are dying on a regular basis. And it's really easy. And I've heard people say that they don't like superhero stories because it's just people, like, one guy punching another guy to prove that he's right. And that's not what it should be about. And Avengers 2 does a better job of addressing that than any other superhero movie to date. I'd have to argue with that. Get I, out of my house. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I don't know. I, I think that the one that clones closest in my mind is Spider-Man 2. Okay, okay Spider-Man 2, I, I was specifically referring to the okay. MCU. Okay. But Spider-Man 2, your point is taken. Okay. Point is taken. Spider-Man 2 is very, very good, and I think it makes it very good. Yeah. You win, Brady! Fine! <laughs> Any other closing thoughts? Anyone, anything else anyone else want to add? I liked it. It was good. <laughs> My favorite line, I haven't been able to find exactly how it is online, but the, it's a great moment between Black Widow and Hulk on the uh, Quinjet coming back from the first fight. And she's like, hey, if you weren't there, then, you know, there could have been tons of casualties. And he's like, well, you know how sometimes just what you want to hear isn't exactly, or exactly what you want to hear isn't exactly what you want to hear. And then she turns to Thor, she says, Thor, damage report on the Hulk. And he says, ah, yes, the gates of hell are filled with the screams of his, of his <laughs> And it's just this moment of, oh. And then he realizes what he said, and he's like, ah, yeah, I mean, the many complaints of um, sore deltoid muscles, <laughs> sprained ankles, and uh, the uh, gout. It's just like he has to backtrack. It's just so funny seeing him backtrack. And later when he's trying to distract Ultron, because Ultron decides to take out Thor because he's the big gun, and he's like, I am Thor, son of Odin, and as long as there is breath in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? And then Vision comes in. and Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that that's something that, you know, going back to Thor 2, or even the first Avengers, that I feel like is missing with Thor that was definitely present in the first Thor movie is that Thor is really out of place in this world. Yeah. And... Another! Yeah. Another! <laughs> Best Thor moment ever. My wife still says, my mortal form has grown weak. Sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'll make dinner. <laughs> How did everyone else feel about the Black Widow Hulk relationship? Didn't see it coming, but I loved it. You know, it, 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 it made sense. Because it worked in the movie. Emily's obviously got something she wants to say. I don't know. I just really liked it. We haven't talked enough about it, I think. Huh. Maybe just because I just really want to talk about it. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I think that the Hulk is everything that that she wants. Because, you know, she wants to be she wants to be grounded and to have, and to have you know, that hope that, say, you know, Hawkeye has with his family. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's a normal life out there. Wait, 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 wait. The Hulk represents Black Widow's desire for a the Hulk normal does not, life? The Hulk does not, but Bruce Banner. Okay. Is. Because Bruce Banner is the guy who, the only guy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who has not killed people right. as Bruce Banner. Right. But then you have the guy who knows, but, but he tries he, not to fight because he knows he can win. Yeah, but oh, like, that's another good line. Love but, that line. You oh. know, Black Widow. Also, I can see her being into a bad boy, and she has both of them 
Two husbands for the price of one. And there's that moment, too. Did they talk about her infertility in the comics at all? I don't think it's a plot point in the comics at all. I don't think that's actually part of her her training or whatever. Mostly it's just she has this dark past where she's killed a lot of people. (laughs) Well, Black Widow was originally a supervillain. I'm not mistaken. So so here's something from Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Is Agent Carter shows the beginnings of the Black Widow program in Russia, oh. and and basically it's a series of sleeper agents put into the United States, mm-hmm. trained from a very young age, and you know they they do things like they handcuff themselves to their beds because they have yeah. nightmares from all the horrors that they're being put through, and you know things like that, and so. Black Widow was obviously raised in this program, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years from Agent Carter, but still the same things apply. In, in the comics, the Red Room is also a similar program to what creates the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that, there's a connection. I don't know if it will be teased out in, in Civil War, but it's there. Black Widow's older in the comics, like she's kind of ageless. Well, all the characters in the comics. Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, like, she was around back in the day and also is today, anyway. So, can we talk a little bit about about the new Avengers lineup? Yeah, interesting. Falcon and uh, Rhodey, Mm -hmm. War Machine. They seem redundant. To have the both of them on the same team, for some reason, seems redundant. You've got two second-string military, depowered superheroes from their usual counterparts... Uh, I, 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 would, I would argue with that, though, because... I like you know, you, please you do, have, please do. I want to be more excited about this than I am, so please tell me why I'm wrong. You, you have Falcon is all about maneuverability. And I don't need to be convinced to, to like Falcon, so... Yeah. But, but Falcon's all about maneuverability, where War Machine is, fire, is firepower. Okay. And so that way you actually need both of them. Yes, they both fly. Yes, they both have military backgrounds. But I think that that is enough of a distinction between the two and can be used in different ways. And I like them both, so shut up. Okay. <laughs> and we have Vision and we have uh, Scarlet Witch together, which mm-hmm. is a thing in the comics. I don't know. I'm really concerned because if they do the Vision Scarlet Witch romance, I'm. Yeah, Emily's making faces now. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Yeah. It was I, a I thing in the comics. They had babies, and then the babies turned out to be imaginary, and Scarlet Witch went insane and got rid of all the mutants. That's horrible. Because comic books. <laughs> it, the fallout from that, though, I really like in the X-Men comics. The fallout from the, the M-Day stuff. It definitely made the X-Men comics feel more, like, heightened, more dangerous. Less so property. Yeah. With respect to Chris, Chris Claremont's work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, fun rumor. Uh, so, Martin Freeman has been cast. <gasps> right? For Civil War? My brother has a theory... Because Civil War is going to mark the first appearance in the MCU of a particular character. He's Spider-Man! My brother thinks that Martin Freeman might be Norman Osborn. Interesting. I know, right? I don't think it'll happen, but if it does... Is your brother putting money down on this? Probably not. See, I think you're going to make him a good guy. I don't know. Having seen Fargo, be, oh, Martin yeah. Freeman does a good bad guy. Oh my gosh. He, he makes a really good villain. Not, not quite as good as Billy Bob Thornton, but... I, their acting performances, the both of them, were, they were fantastic. And yeah. so... Well, that's been the news this 
yesterday, today, is that everyone in the whole world is going to be in Civil War, which... Oh, also me. Just kidding. It's Avengers 2.5. It kind of is, with the way that it's looking. I don't know how they're going to handle it, but I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. But based on how good Cap 2 was... And it's the same director, that, right? I forget, because they're, they're doing Avengers... Yeah, they're Infinity doing War. Infinity War in 1 and 2. So. But they've demonstrated that even if they don't give a lot of screen time to a character, they know how to treat the character well. Yeah. Batrock got almost yeah. no screen time. A joke villain. And he was great. Yeah. Uh, Zola got almost no screen and time. And Winter Soldier didn't have a whole ton of yeah, screen time. Yeah, lines. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and but he was great. He was, yeah, really great. So, I, I trust them whatever they end up doing, so... Joss Whedon has often been... Has been uh, it's been said of Joss Whedon, rather, that... He was the perfect person to, to do the Avengers because he knows how to do ensemble films. Yep. But the Russo brothers, that's the names, right? The mm. Russo brothers? Yes. I think Cap 2 proves that they've got the chops to do it as well. Oh, yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I, I'm, it, I'm on board for whatever they, they uh, turn out. So. Which I, I think it's interesting that their background is community. Yeah. Community and uh, they didn't, didn't they do Arrested Development too? Yeah, I think they did a few episodes of yeah. Arrested Development as well. And they did another film that I, uh, I could look up, but I'm, yeah. Look them up, they're great. Um, and so, so, so by, by, by the way, so rumor for Star Wars Episode Nine that they're bringing Joss Whedon on for Episode Nine. Oh so, man, I don't know though. Uh, after after this big movie, I don't know if you want to do that one too. But it'd be cool. Because Talk. if you think that Avengers is stressful, <laughs> I'm just gonna put no this on the table. Joss Whedon writing for Han Solo. Oh, wow. That would, that, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway. Isn't Seven going to be... Well, at least Clint Eastwood's last... Not Clint Eastwood? Eastwood. <laughs> Harrison Ford. I do this all the time. <laughs> Harrison Ford's last... I've heard it's uh, his last time probably. he's doing Han Solo. I, I, I think that we should leave Star Wars until... You know what Until I mean. December, when <laughs> I'm sure we're going to do this exact same thing... With even more hype, so oh, it's been so hard avoiding those dumb trailers. People keep posting them on Facebook and they auto load, and it's like, ah, ah! <laughs> <So> <laughs> I already know more than I wanted to know. This is a little round droid. He looks cute. And he's a practical effect, and he's BB-8. That's not important right now because we're going to end Age of Ultron um, with an adorable robot. Oh, yay! Vision. It's pretty great. Anyone else have anything else they want to add? No. I think well, we're. Then. I think we pretty well beat this one to death. Alright, keep an eye on our Facebook page and our podcasts. We'll have another one next month. And Excelsior.